1972, a crack commando unit was sent to a liturgical prison by a canonical court for a crime they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a maximum security diocesan stockade to the ecclesial underground. Today, still wanted by the Vatican, they survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, then you should listen to Libra Cristo War College. Welcome to Wednesday's War College. My name is Jesse Romero. Today's the feast day of St. John Bosco. Pray for us. Also, we're still in the month of January, last day. Remember, the month of January is dedicated to the holy name of Jesus. I would recommend that you say the name of Jesus with faith, hope, and love throughout the day as often as possible. Little short arrow prayers like, Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, come into my heart. Jesus, come to my assistance. Jesus, make haste to help me. And as always, every Wednesday, I have either Dr. Schneider or Kyle Clement. These are the two instructors for Libra Crystal. And uh, what a joy to have them on every Wednesday to give us what I would call high-level Catholicism. Kyle, welcome, my friend. Hey, thanks, Jesse. It's so good to be with you here. Hey, talk to me about uh, what uh, <clears throat> uh, what you're up to in terms of uh, teaching spiritual warfare. Tell us a little bit about the Monte Cristo website, what people can access there. Oh, thanks for the opportunity, Jesse. Yeah, this is a really busy time of year uh, for me physically with regard to the apostolate. I work for Father Ripperger uh, 12 months out of the year, but it's this particular part of the year, I, I'm on the road. And so I have been, um, I just completed a parish mission over at um, Our Lady Help of Christians in Aiken, South Carolina. And before that, I was at St. Helena in uh, Amit, Louisiana, the parish of uh, Father Mark Beard. May God rest his soul. Mm. And we're, we're doing these parish missions um it's amazing the lay faithful the hunger uh, in the lay faithful for reclamation theology for things of tradition for things that are tried and true for the ancient practices the ancient weapons because these are the ones that are effective it's what you know jesse it's what guys our age call old school and yeah uh, yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> yep People are finding out that the old school is really the only school. Um, and so that's what uh, we've been doing. And, and we're, um, you can go to www.montecristo.net and find out about these things. Father Ripperger and I have been um, in the offices recording and developing some formation tools and, and some training tools. We've got an exorcist training uh, coming up along with a general practitioner priest training, a mental health conference. Um, so every February, March, we hold these conferences and trainings that um, that really help the the clerics, the professionals, the lay people, everyone involved in um, the liberation ministry and the understanding of, of what it is to be actively involved in, in fighting the diabolical um, and preserving our faith. 
So we've got those, all those activities are listed and how you can participate on that www.montecristo.net. There's some also some recruits coming up. There is an Advent Zoom retreat and some other reclamation theology activities, um, Holy Week activities. All of those things are there uh, on that website. And I would uh, very much invite you to go to the website, uh, log in and register. There's a lot of free things there, and we're trying to build community. We're trying to build that reclamation theology community, people who are interested in preserving our faith whole and entire um, and fighting the good fight. So thank you very much, Jesse. Uh, Kyle, I send uh, an entire family your way to one of your uh, one of the trainings, uh, the Sablon family. Uh, it's, uh, they, uh, the, the wife and, and the, the kids are Catholic mental therapists out here in the Diocese of Phoenix, so uh, they're excited about uh, attending the upcoming training with you and Father Ripperger. So uh, yeah. we're going to be talking about home, 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 let me say it again, homeopathy. I said it homeopathy <laughs> let me give you a definition here from uh, dictionary.com okay <clears throat> it's uh it says a non-traditional system for treating and preventing disease in which amounts of a substance that in large amounts causes disease symptoms are given to healthy individuals this is thought to enhance the body's natural defenses Carl, i've got two articles here one is called Homeopathy and Catholicism, saintly and whole and wholesome medicine, and uh, the author's not a doctor, but the author does facilitate. Uh, uh, the, the author wrote a book called "A Christian Guide to Homeopathy," um, and she says, "I'm a homeop, I'm a homeopath with a worldwide practice working with families and individuals. I'm a teacher. Most importantly, I'm a mom." <clears throat> um, and I've lived decades of my life with food intolerances, allergies, and chemical sensitivities until I was cured with homeopathy. So I, send, uh, I got this article from her, and she's obviously very, very positive about it. Then I got a second article I took a look at. It's called Homeopathy, Science, Doctrine, and Catholicism. This one is not that friendly to homeopathy. Uh, this one, uh, yeah, th- this one basically says, let me just quote a, a few things where it, uh, it basically uh, criticizes homeopathy. Here's a couple of things it says. <clears throat> In homeopathy, science and doctrine fuse. This fusion alone can be exposed extensively. However, for the short work, I will show both separately science and then doctrine. He also says, In the video, Richard Dawkins, <clears throat> a well-known atheist, shows homeopathy as at best a placebo but make no mistake, Richard Dawkins is not a Catholic. He's an atheist and with many, with many wrong ideas. Nevertheless, his exposition on homeopathy is very well founded and clear. Then they also talk a little bit about the history. It says, to understand its doctrine, we must go back to its very founder, Samuel Hahnemann, who died in 1843, and his main <clears throat> literary work, a book called Organon of the Medical Art, which can be easily found in libraries today. And finally, it says, this book by this Dr. Hanuman passed through many posthumous editions that watered down his doctrine. Still, even in the current edition, his Gnostic doctrine is as clear as water. 
While Hanneman will not call himself Gnostic or pantheist or, or identify himself as a dualist or any other anthropocentric system that either demonizes or divinizes matter, it's easy to identify all aspects of such doctrine in his writings. Um, <clears throat> so, so again, two articles. One is the favorable, one's not so favorable. And, and the conclusion of the second article says, homeopathy is not science as we understand it. It's based on a doctrine incompatible with the Catholic faith. First built from a science, medicine perspective, it's a fallacy. <clears throat> it is a pseudoscience, a placebo. Second bullet from a Catholic theological view, it, it is full of Gnosticism. <clears throat> Kyle, so give me your thoughts because I'm sure you, when you guys do your medical training, if in the liber crystal component of things, and you have a lot of uh, medical professionals, I'm sure this this uh, question comes up a lot to you and to Father Ripperger, especially. I think people are more concerned that oftentimes homeopathy may be infused uh, with uh, with some occult practices. So how do you handle this when you do your training? Because I know this question comes up. It does, Jesse, and we, we deal with this in a lot of cases. I think that um, a general, a set of general comments or universal comments should be made um, and Father and I, <clears throat> we, we train in, uh, people in this area together. So first of all is the understanding that <clears throat> most of religious and or philosophical discussion must start with a clarification of terms. And so the, one of the problems is, is homeopathy is used differently and different practices are classified as homeopathy. So for instance... Uh-oh. And so this leads to an area of vagary. Again, the demon is, is he's very interested in, in a gray area or a vagary or an ambiguity. He's very, very interested in that. So one of the, um, one of the observations is Hahnemann's writings, um, where he is credited as being the founder or coining the term of homeopathy, the actual practices, some of the practices that he describes, not all, but some exist and are written about uh, quite extensively by uh, Hildegard of Brandisi, a saint mm. in our church. Mm. And so Hildegard's statement, um, and I think this is where we need to enter the discussion if, if we're going to discuss things as Catholics is we need to think, okay, what are the Catholics? Say? What is, is there a saint that says anything about this? Does the church say anything about this? If so, what do they say? And I think that's where we have to dis, we have to start any discussion uh, as Catholics. And so, first of all, if we go there, Hildegard uh, Brandesi was a very, very interesting saint. She was called the Sybil of the Rhine. Um, she lived in the 1100s. She was uh, what was called a polymath, which meant that she was a repository of learning. She was the Albert the Great of her age. She was um, a scientist. She was a mystic. She was an abbess of a Benedictine monastery, a uh, convent. Uh, she was an exorcist. Hold that thought, so, Kyle. Hold that thought. Good stuff. Hold that thought. Boy, that's a cliffhanger. Wednesday War College, talking about St. Hildegard of Bingen. And homeopathy. We'll be right back. Stick around. Don't go anywhere.
Wednesday War College, just remember Carl Clement. We're talking about homeopathy, and uh, <clears throat> as Catholics, this is a question that comes up a lot, especially as it relates to the occult. And I know Father mm-hmm. Ripperger and Kyle Clement, both are the, both uh, that go around the country teaching exorcist and setting up exorcism teams and teaching uh, spiritual warfare at a high level. They get this question often. And so Kyle is uh, doing a deep dive and he's telling about who St. Hildegard of Bingen is. Uh, she's an abbess, a mystic, a doctor of the church, German Benedictine. Kyle, continue uh, with how you, you answer this question when you're teaching mental health experts that ask this. Okay, so thank you, Jesse. It, it, we look for, do we have a saint uh, who was not only conversant, but expert in this area, Uh, Does the church say anything about it? If so, what do they say? And so we're very, very fortunate to have here a definitive source from a saint um, who was of great stature in this particular area. And she wrote uh, so many different things, treatises, but specifically she wrote um, a treatise called Physica, and it was the complete uh, work on health and healing. And so what she did is she studied it from what and would have been in her period of time, the scientific way, and that is what is being used, what has effect, what does not have effect, what are the principles. And her universal principle that she states is that um, there is no disease of the human body for which there does not exist a cure in nature. And so what she's saying is, and this is before uh, pharmacia. So what she's saying is that to cure the body of any disease or malady, that is, uh, that is, there's a natural remedy. Now, she takes a, a makes it a point that she's not talking about defects in, in formation or defects with which one is born. Uh, but these are maladies which occur as a result of our interaction with our environment. She also went ahead and talked about um, that disease is a function of the fall. Um, and so uh, there's a linkage there. She's not saying that one becomes diseased because of sin, but that one's body might suffer because of a particular habitual mortal sin. Classic example would be cirrhosis of the liver from abuse of alcohol. And so here you have um, a disease that is directly related to um, the immoderate use of a compound, the sinful use. And so the sin, the first primary use in drunkenness is uh, the primary sin is a a failure of the virtue of moderation. It's an excess. Um, And so to see it the way the ancients saw it, it really gives you a different insight. Now, what is the cure? What would be the natural cure for a fatty liver, a cirrhosis liver, a liver damaged by alcohol? The natural cure would be vast amounts of water and nothing but water. So you're cleaning the filter. This gives you an example of natural medicine. Another example of natural medicine that she talked about was with regard to allergies and the use of honey for within a given area. And now we're moving more into what's recognized as homeopathy or homeopathy, 
which is the ingestion of minuscule amounts of a compound to build a resistance so that the body builds a resistance. The whole idea of vaccines is built upon this premise. And so when you see it, then you see it in a, in a, in a more logical, cogent, straightforward way. Hmm. Kyle, there's also a Bible verse which supports everything that St. Hildegard of Bingen, she taught. It's in, uh, it's in, is Kyle there? Did, did, did God get cut off? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's in Sirach chapter 38, verses 1 to 15. It, it, that, it sums up everything that St. Hildegard of Bingen basically said. It says this. Quote, honor, and by the way, if you got a Protestant Bible, it's not going to be in there because uh, they took that book out at the Reformation. Okay, Sirach 38, 1 to 15, honor the physician with the honor due him, according to your need of him, for the Lord created him. For healing comes from the Most High, and he will receive a gift from the king. The skill of the physician lifts up his head, and in the presence of great men, he is admired. So no, notice right there that a, a, a doctor is kind of a, a, a divinely appointed occupation. Then it goes on to say next verse. The Lord created medicines from the earth and a sensible man will not despise them. <laughs> that This answers the question about holistic medicine. That It's an option based on scripture. Then it says, was not water made sweet with a tree in order that his, that his power might be known? And he gave skill to man that he might be glorified in his marvelous works. By them, he heals and takes away pain. So once again, uh, the scripture is referring to a doctor as a divine agent of God. Then it says, the Bible says, the pharmacist makes of them a compound. His works will never be finished. And from him, health is upon the face of the earth. Notice, health is upon the face of the earth. How with these compounds? So there's another reference there to holistic medicine right in the bible says my son when you are sick do not be negligent but pray to the lord and he will heal you uh so kyle as i read sirach chapter 38 verse 1 to 15 and i hear you talk about this doctor of the church saint hildegard of bingen to me i i see that uh the catholic position on on somebody being sick and getting healed uh do we either go to a doctor or use holistic medicine I think for us as Catholics, it's both and, because based on Sirach 38, 1 to 15, the Lord uses both a doctor or sometimes holistic medicine to heal a person. Am I, am I uh, tracking in the right direction? You're absolutely tracking, Jesse. There is a, a point to be made, though, is that in the last 150 years, the term doctor has has changed. Um, it, 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 it has changed dramatically in the last hundred years because the doctor, um, the modern doctor now, many of them violate the Hippocratic Oath. Um, the Hippocratic Oath do no harm. Uh, you see doctors who practice abortion. You see doctors who practice gender, gender changes. You see doctors who are doing things um, that are obviously maniacal and in violation of the Hippocratic Oath, which is at its heart, do no wrong. And this was the, the oath of Hippocrates, the patron of Greek medicine. The, the point being is that 
previously, the concept of being a doctor meant that there was a curative element for the good. Uh, there was a restoration, there was a, a repairing, there was a, re there was a reparation, a restoration. There was a, a dis there was a, a, a goal of curing and making whole. And what we've seen in the last hundred years, and, and you have to point this out, is that, um, and you can trace it to one single incident, um, pharmacy and medicine have shifted greatly oh yeah um and to where and to where now it is an avoidance of suffering it is pain management it is disease management it's not curing uh and so what it actually does and we're seeing the church do the same is it affirms people in a sinful practice or in a self-harm practice it affirms them because it doesn't get to the root and say in order to treat cirrhosis of the liver, you have to stop drinking alcohol and start drinking water. You have to start doing reparatory things. And cognitive reparative therapy is a classic example in the psychological world where that used to be the, the process. Now that's all but outlawed. Um, and we see an affirmation of mental illness, we, of insanity. Um, we, we see all of these things happening, not only in medicine, but in uh, religion, where it affirms the, the self-harm, the act that is resulting in self-harm. In medicine, this is directly correlated to J.D. Rockefeller's co-opting of the, uh, under, not J.D. Rockefeller, I think it was his grandfather, but anyway, the Rockefeller's um, shift to petroleum-based pharmacy, 99% of, of drugs today are synthetics. They're uh, of a petroleum-based, and the emphasis on medical schools and medicine to diagnose and then to treat these uh, various maladies with these compounds. Um, this is a shift that's happened within the last 100 to 150 years. Yeah, and, and, and the way I see things, Kyle, 100%, agree with everything that you're saying the scientific and medical community <clears throat> it's been hijacked it's been politicized and it's been weaponized by the left you, you know you were pointing some things out uh, some things that i've seen in my lifetime the whole climate change movement that's unsettled science you have the whole uh you know homosexuals were born that way well there's no medical evidence whatsoever uh you know, I just want to remind people about the, you know, before 1973, the DSM classified homosexuality as a mental illness. And uh, we also see the propaganda about abortion as health care. That's pure propaganda. Abortion's murder. It's not health care. We also, what, what have I seen in my lifetime? The sale of aborted baby organs, thanks to these undercover Catholic investigators who have, uh, who have given us this evidence and have paid the price for it. And we've all in my lifetime, we've also seen what medical marijuana, marijuana is good for you. Guess what? There's no proof of that. Uh, and this whole thing was funded by George Soros. He's the one that dumped uh, $75 million into getting the ball rolling. And uh, in my lifetime, we've also seen what cloning human beings in laboratories. That's Frankenstein science. Uh, euthanasia that in my life, that's turned doctors into killers. And then when, I remember when I was a kid, 
60 years ago. I can remember some science classes. You all came from monkeys. We all came from lizards and tadpoles and polywogs, according to evolution. Well, guess what? Evolution is unscientific propaganda to promote atheism. Uh, and then, like you just said, Kyle, many of my friends that I've seen in this field, Catholic licensed family marriage therapists have been blackballed by mental health organizations for using reparative hair th- therapy to try to help homosexuals become normal. Uh, yeah, the list goes on and on uh, about the weaponization of uh, and the politicization of the medical community. Uh, oh, yeah, we also see transgender bathrooms today. There's no science behind this. That's pure liberal propaganda. And, and what about doctors who prescribe opiates for sex and these drug-dealing doctors who also re- receive large amounts of money from Big Pharma to prescribe these opiates? You get my point. Just follow the money. As the Bible says, the love of money is the root of all evil. We'll be right back with Kyle Clement talking about homeopathy. Wednesday War College, Jess Romero, Kyle Clement talking about homeopathy. And just remember, just kind of want to remind everybody, just a little catechesis here, that any time at Holy Mass, and even in your private devotions, when we say the name of Jesus, the Blessed Trinity, the Mother of God, or the Saint of the Day, especially at Holy Mass, we bow our head. We make a small little gesture, a small a bow in our head in uh in, in respect and honor for uh, the Lord's name, the Trinity, the Blessed Mother, and the Saint of the Day. Kyle, talking about homeopathy, um, some people will try to demonize it and say, well, you know what, it, but it, it's sometimes people in the occult, they, they curse these, uh, these drugs. And I think the proper response would be is that we don't throw out the baby with the bathwater, Correct. Yeah, well, yes, precisely, Jesse. Here's where we've seen this in in um, in what we do, and the caution. There are two cautions to anytime you use anything. Now, this is not limited to natural remedies. This is limited to um, manufactured pharmaceuticals. These a lot of these are cursed. Um, a lot of these are manufactured uh, in China and other places. And they are cursed. It's, it's one of the things that we run into. So it's amazing to me the number of Catholics who um, will go through an elaborate blessing for their meal. But they're not blessing what they drink and what they eat and what they ingest between meals, including drugs. Everything that enters our body, everything that enters our home, first of all, should be blessed. And then everything that enters our body should definitely be blessed so that there is no harmful, uh, there's no spiritual contagion. There's no uh, curse or malefice that we're ingesting. And so if you're not blessing your medications, you're not blessing the Coke you get out of the, uh, the soft drink you get out of the machine. If you're not blessing the cup of coffee you bought at Starbucks you're you're being derelict in your duty to uh, safeguard 
the temple that is the Holy Spirit that is your body. And so it's it the same body that you're putting the Eucharist in, what else are you putting in there? So that's number one, is you've got to verify the source of anything that goes into your body. Now, many of the purveyors of essential oils and homeopathic remedies and minerals and herbs and various things, they are resorting to um, the diabolical to make their um, their potions and their poultices and their their products not only appealing but also addictive. And so this is a very significant thing to be aware of. And so we find that it is um, this is one of the aspects is that it is a they these may be tainted sources so you absolutely have to verify what are the the sources of the things that you're going to either put on or in your body that's number one number two is is there a ritualistic element in any way involved in the application or administration of the the substance Makes, uh, yeah, I've heard you say this before years ago, and I've, t- I've taken that to heart. I started blessing uh, my vitamins and, and some of the other things. Uh, yeah, just soft drinks throughout the day, medications. And Kyle, actually what, what you're saying right here, right now, I've actually, uh, I found this in Father Ripperger's book. It's called uh, Diabolic Influence on page 714. He, he says exactly what you just said right here. Let me read it. It's just a short paragraph. Father writes in his book, Diabolical Influence, page 714. Medicine. There are essentially two reasons why one would bless medicine. The first is that historically, those involved in the occult have been known to be involved in the production of various medicines, homeopathic remedies, etc. It is not uncommon, even these days, to have medicines or various homeopathic remedies cursed by shamans, witches, Satanists, etc. The second reason is that if a particular malady for which the medicine is being taken also has a spiritual component to it, that is, that a demon is afflicting the individual by blessing the medicine, it will weaken the demon's ability to cause that particular difficulty, and then the medicine will have a greater effect. Blessings of medicines can be found in various rituals. For those do not have, who, do not, who do not have access to a priest to be able to bless their medicine, simply saying the common blessing which, which one says over food will often suffice to gain sufficient protection and also to have the effect of afflicting the demons who might be causing difficulties. That's exactly what you just said, Kyle. Any more comments? Well, that's what we find, and I, it's amazing what people won't recognize ritual. For instance, there was a true story. Woman um, had the related the story that she was using essential oils to bless her grandson whenever he would become anxious. And so I just asked her, I said, okay, where is his father in this? Because the primary person who should be blessing uh, a, a boy or a child is the father. And um, immediately she launched into a diatribe, um, an uncharitable diatribe about this boy's father and that he wasn't present and all of these things. And so 
I said, okay, well, that gives me an indication. Uh, I said, do you share these feelings with the boy? And she said, well, yeah, he's got to know that, you know, his father's this, that, and the other thing. I said, okay, well, this is, this is not good. I said, this is going to compound his anxiety because when you're saying these things about his father, you got to remember that he, his father's blood is in, in him, in the boy. And so he's hearing you curse him. He may not be putting that together and that may not be your intent, but he's hearing that you find something undesirable in his father. Well, that's also in him because he is his father's son. And then when you do the, her word anointing with the essential oils, I said, what do you do? And she says, uh, I sing to him and I, um, make small circles on his hands, his feet, and his head. I said, well, that's the ritual that's consistent with the last rites or extreme unction. I, I said, you know, what, this is what you're doing is, is you're, presu- you're assuming a priestly role. You're doing a parody of a priest. You are a woman, and you're talking badly about his father. At the wow. same time, you're trying to bring him comfort. That's a complete contradiction. I mean, she's uh, she's militating against herself by by uh, her her actions and her and her words are not consistent. There's not harmony in her actions and in her words. Like, right? Is that what you're trying to say? Correct. She's not acting within her station in life, so there's a contradiction there. And she had enough of a slight manifestation or diabolical. Uh, exhibition in response to what I was telling her that she recognized it. And she said, is something wrong with me? And I said, yes, ma'am, there is. Um, <laughs> there, <yeah. laughs> there, you know, <laughs> the twitching and the clouding of your right eye is an indicator that there's something in there that doesn't like what it's hearing. So you, you probably need to go to a priest and, and at least confess the uncharitable remarks about your son-in-law. Um, and so from there, she became a case. But this was how the diabolical was present to her. It used her sense of compassion, her sense of wanting to do good. And there was a, um, if the demon can get you to uh, parody a sacrament, and that's exactly what he was getting her to do. There was form and matter. And it was a parody of, form and, of the form and matter of anointing of the sick, of extreme unction, and the demon knew what it was. She may not have recognized it as such until it was explained. And so the, the fact that the oil was cursed actually became a secondary concern to the primary concern, which was she was doing the ritual of a malefus without being conscious of it. Hmm. Hmm. Kyle, here's another question. Uh, I'm just thinking out loud here. <clears throat> if uh you know if if the man of the house is if the head of house is doing the perimeter prayer uh every night on page 39 from Father Ripperger's book Deliverance Prayers from the Lady if he's doing the perimeter prayer and if he's also doing the uh the prayer on page uh, 44 consecration of one's exterior goods to the blessed virgin mary which obviously means everything in your house as well doing that perimeter prayer and that consecration prayer to the Blessed Virgin Mary, and obviously vitamins and medicines are in your house, 
what those prayers, what they, uh, what they uh, afford a blanket of protection or a blessing over the medication and the uh, vitamins in your house by doing the perimeter prayer every day and the prayer of consecrating your exterior goods to the Blessed Virgin Mary? Short answer is not no, not in the way that you're thinking. Um, and, and here's why. Here's what I think you're thinking: is would it decommission any evil? Yeah, that's from right. Yeah, the, correct. And it's not. So what okay. the perimeter prayer is going to do, and what the consecration prayer is going to do, is it's not going to allow the demon to act on those temporal goods, those exterior goods. But if you're going to take this into your body then that's another that's another uh, situation so yeah you, you see what i mean ah, com- so, yeah, completely um, i completely understand yep yep so the blessing and it, blessing just like blessing your food uh, would decommission any curses that would be on, upon the food just like uh saint benedict did a blessing over his meal and uh his his wine goblet burst uh it shattered and uh <laughs> The tradition is that some snake slithered outside out, out of the glass. And so right. that would be a form of decommissioning, correct? Precisely. Precisely. Stick around, Cal. We got one more segment. Jess Romero, Cal Clement talking about uh, homeopathy. We'll be right back. Wednesday War College, just remember, Carl Clement. Kyle, that's a good principle that you you mentioned it before years ago. I've heard you say it, but it's just it just kind of stuck in my brain now like tar. That anything that goes into our body, we should we should bless it. Uh that that principle, uh again, it's it's not going to be it things are not going to be necessarily blessed. Your vitamins or you know, whatever, you know, protein drinks you take just by doing a perimeter prayer. Or, consec- or doing the exterior house uh, consecration prayer of your property, but it has to be particular, like you said. And 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 actually, there's a Bible verse that supports what you're saying because you know me, uh, you you and Dan know me well. Everything when you guys are saying things, my mind is always thinking scripture, scripture. That's that's my strong suit. And here's a scripture that supports what Kyle just said right now. First Timothy chapter four verse four. The Bible says. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is made holy by the word of God and prayer, close quote. There it is. It's made holy by the word of God and prayer. So what Kyle says, bless your vitamins. What, what happens to your vitamins? You have just made them holy and uh, and uh, nothing's to be rejected because it's been created by God. Kyle, comments? You're precisely right, Jesse. And let's apply this principle a little bit more broadly. And that is to understand something that 99% of modern vaccines and pharmacia, pharmaceuticals, do not exist naturally in any form. 
they are um, they are not natural. They are constructs of man. Many of them very elaborate synthetic constructs that don't have a, even a stability in nature unless they're artificially preserved. And so, this is something that I really think we need to, to look at: is our bodies metabolize things that exist in nature. It's going to be very difficult for us to metabolize things that do not exist in a natural form. For instance, heavy metals and other things that we get um, accumulation in our body, that's not through eating natural foods and, and vegetables and meats and, uh, and fish. It, there's got to be an outside source of contamination, pollution, et cetera, that concentrates these metals and the things that we eat and then in our bodies. Uh, this is just one example. Th this is one of the reasons it's so important to return to as much as we can to a natural state. It's, it's consistent with our spirituality. It's also consistent with the understanding that uh, just as, as Hildegard was talking about, that there's not anything that's wrong with the body, any disease that a cure is not found in nature. And the difference is these things that we intentionally take into our body that are unnatural, these represent a, a vector for the demon to be present because he wants us to engage in things that are unnatural, especially to escape any kind of suffering, any kind of reparation, any kind of drawing close to God, anything that he can use as a um as a uh, accoutrement as an instrument uh to to do these things then there's a spiritual connotation um the anti-aging all of these things that we're taking to fight nature that are unnatural that are trying to avoid the natural processes of aging and and infirmity um these are all open to diabolical influence Oh yeah, I could. I, yes, anything that Hollywood puts rubber stamps, uh, it, it, it's got it's got the fingerprints of Satan. <laughs> yeah, all these. Yeah, you can stay younger. Just put this cream and that. Do this and that and the other. Yeah, that's that. Without a doubt, that's got the fingerprints of Satan. But uh, <clears throat> again, like you said, we we have to. When it comes to homeopathic medicine, you can't throw out the baby with the bathwater. You can declare that all homeopathic medicine is of the occult, it's dangerous, or it's quackery. I think we've got to see what's actually valuable or beneficial with homeopathic medicine because that, that's what was used for centuries and centuries in every culture. Uh, and, and, and that's what history has shown us uh, is that there are some particular types of traditional remedies that, that, that work. And that, uh, you know, if, if you actually look at the way God set things up in nature, then homeopathic medicines can help us if we use them properly and, and prayerfully, not superstitiously. And, and we also, I think we have to remember that in God's providential plan, he, he always, like St. Saint, Saint Hildegard says, he's, he always provides us for what we need. Right, Kyle? We, we just have to spend time trying to find out how a certain natural medication works and then make sure that we understand how it works and use it correctly and not be afraid to use homeopathic medicine because that's why God actually provided it in the first place. Comments? 
Well, that you're precisely right. I think I, I think we would talk about number one, taking the language back. And so the modern usage of homeopathy may be inconsistent with our discussion. So let's talk about natural medicine. Okay. Nat- Jesse, if you were an if you were of an age and in a part of the country, I grew up in rural America. It was very, very simple. Um, there was um, castor oil was uh, was liberally applied, and it was very effective, and it's very natural. Uh, it was for a multitude of things: castor oil, Epsom salts, scarlet oil, all of witch hazel. All of these things were naturally occurring, and that was in our medicine cabinet. It was um, these were the things that that we used. Um, and they were very, very effective. And so those were, uh, and we still use them. Um, Valerie and I are 65 years old and we are on no medication, nor have we ever been on medications. Um, and that's just simply the fact that there are other remedies, apple cider vinegar. There's all kinds of naturally occurring compounds that address a multitude of maladies. Um, but we we've got to be aware of them. They they may not be as dramatic as modern quote modern medicine, but right. they ultimately they 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 don't have the side effects. They don't have the lingering. Um, I'll guarantee you, no one ever got addicted to castor oil or witch hazel. <laughs> yeah, Kyle. You know, I, I and I think the 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 people that have been suppressing all this natural medicine or holistic medicine. It's it's big pharma. They're only interested in medication that makes big money for them. Uh, and and, and uh, we have to actually look at the way God sets things up in nature. And we have to ask ourselves, hey, do they have healing properties? And can this reboot the body to heal itself quicker? And the answer in many in many folk uh, traditions, like in the Hispanic tradition, there's all kinds of stuff that abuelitas and moms give us from mexico and they're not witches these are all daily mass catholics i mean the daily rosary catholics it's just you know certain like you said certain uh you know uh things that you can eat or, or you know apple cider you know all kinds of stuff i can remember growing up that my mom would give us when we were sick we didn't go to the doctor most of the time and i and i would just ask my brothers where did mom get this from oh she got it from mexico and I, you know, we, we turned out, we turned out okay. Right. I, I can remember very simply, um, y- you know, the, uh, an onion, you would take an onion, you'd cut it in half. If you had a cold, you'd take an onion, you'd cut it in half. You'd lay the cut side up on the nightstand or by where you slept. Um, and if you did that for a couple of days, it was gone. There's nothing magic there. That thing is taking impurities out of the air the onion would be black. Sometimes they'd rub it on our chest so that we inhaled it. Well, this acts as an antihistamine. It makes you snotty. It makes you tear. And that's the body's way of getting stuff out, getting a toxin out. And so these were things that we understood. Um, and, and there's nothing magical or superstitious about it. For instance, you can go to, uh, you can go to a botanica and yeah. she can say, okay, for this, a combination of mint and um, jasmine, take this together, make a tea, drink it. Now, if she says, 
take this mint, this jasmine, mix it together, and at 3.03 on Thursday, you pray to St. Jude, you turn around four times and drink it, now we got a problem. There, there you go. <laughs> exactly, precisely. Wow, yeah, good stuff, Kyle. You know, uh, again, so uh, that's, again, I think instead of using the word homeopathy, if you use natural medicine or uh, holistic medicine, I think people are much more comfortable with it. And once again, I think the Bible verse that applies here is First Timothy 4, 4. And it says, for everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving for it. What's the it? What's created by God? It is made holy by the word of God and prayer. So remember, family, pray over your medication. Pray, quick prayer over your vitamins. And you can say, what prayer? Hey, just the prayer, the blessing, the, the 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 grace before meals, that prayer suffices, right, Kyle? Precisely, precisely. Um, and in the old rites and rituals and blessings, if you'll remember, uh, salt creature salt is exercised, and then it becomes the agent for blessing the water, and then the, by the salt, the water is exercised. This is a formula for exactly what we're seeing in medicine is you will uh, exercise or bless a particular thing, the holy salt. And then if you use holy salt and holy water in your cooking, then the food is blessed at its inception. And, and so there's a purification. There is a, a ridding of evil. There is a dispatching of anything that's disordered. And so that was the reason that salt is such a, an important thing. And in, in the Lord talks about salt and light. Um, salt being the temporal or the physical agent of preservation and light being the spiritual preservation um, of the soul, the, the way they work together, salt's a preservative. It, it banishes corruption. Is under the influence of salt. Corruption doesn't, get, uh, doesn't take over the meat, doesn't take over the flesh. All of that symbolism is, is very clear. We're seeing in nature the very principles that are applied to uh, in the spiritual realm as well. And there has to be a consistency. That's a wrap. Thank you, Kyle. We're up to a hard break. You've been listening to Wednesday War Caller. Just remember Kyle Clement. Kyle Clement is Father Ripperger's right-hand man. This is uh, this guy is the most uh, literate, uh, knowledgeable lay Catholic in the world on spiritual warfare. Uh, thank you very much for listening to the show. Hey, Rich, who's up next, my friend? Bishop Strickland up next. Hey, family, pray a rosary every day. Be holy or die trying. See you next time. God bless you. Keep the faith. Mm -hmm.